Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed. And I'm John. And we're back discussing uh, passive income and the importance of investing your money. Neither of us are financial investors or anything like even remotely similar to that, but we believe in the general importance of having multiple streams of income. And I believe it's a pretty universal thing and uh, thought it would be interesting to talk about it. It seems that every day, like you go on Instagram or TikTok or any like social media platform that has like some form of like those TikTok short videos and you see someone driving a Lambo saying that they're like a real estate mogul and they're like 18 and and it's it's interesting to see like how could that poss- be possible um when like the average income in the US <clears throat> when the average income in the US <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead when the average income in the US is like 40k a year or something similar to that so I know John really loves this topic, so he'll yeah, probably man. be taking the lead on a lot of the conversations today. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to discuss this episode's topic. Uh, for anyone that does know me that's listening, they know I really get into the shit and I nerd out over investing in stock stuff. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about a few different things. Or Yeah, we'll cover a few different things. Passive income or income producing assets and then talk a little bit about like stocks and crypto. Um, Ahmed and I are both going to give our opinions on the topics and then say maybe how they play a little bit into our investment strategies. I just wanted to start by saying, you know, the the goal of investing shouldn't be to become, it's not to become super rich and have exotic cars and be greedy, but it's really to create financial freedom. So you don't really have to rely on, a hundred percent on the the normal job day job you're working if you work a day job yeah so this is so you can do whatever you want every day it's just so you have the freedom to be able to choose exactly what you want to do on that day if it's to work sure if it's you want to go on vacation get on a flight that morning like you can do that all that kind of stuff um or more importantly in my opinion if you're trying to find a new hobby then you could spend an entire six month period trying new things out and then seeing the new, like picking which ones you actually like and want to continue with. I don't know. It's just the ability to pursue your passion at the moment at all times. This really only comes when you eliminate the worry of money and having your own business or having assets that produce income for you to fund your lifestyle. I think it's really important if you want to reach that goal, but yeah, let's go into the first part. Right, you know, oh, I'm sorry, something real quick that I just thought of, you know, uh, Warren Buffett makes like, I don't know the exact number, but it's like tens of millions of dollars just in dividends every year. Like yeah, because could, his hedge fund has like been billions and billions of dollars, right? Yeah, like a big thing with investing is that um, like if you're doing it with like a relatively small quantity of money, like me and you and most people, like it's not going to completely give you like a second, like, like an, yeah, another livable income. Like, yeah. But like people that become, if you somehow become like loaded, whether it's through investing or your day job or 
like a combination of the two, yeah. then like that's why you could see people retiring before they're like 40 and they could just live off of like real estate, stocks, crypto, other investments and stuff like that. I think it's uh I think that's all something that's pretty interesting. All right. I went I went off topic, but that's probably going to be a reoccurring theme today, so let's jump right into it. All right. So <laughs> So re- just repeat what you were saying. All right. So I'm just going to talk about some of my holdings. So I have a bunch of Apple. It's actually almost 20% of my entire portfolio. I have a bunch in CCIV. It's about 8% of my portfolio. NEO, it's a Chinese uh, EV company. That's about 9% of my portfolio. So that's already like 40% in three stocks. Then I have a bit of Amazon, Google, Microsoft, uh, NRZ, which is a new residential investment, which I just thought would make sense to buy like really low like i have it at an average cost of eight dollars amd palantir wait what's it at now nrz is at 10.35 so i'm up 28 percent, and they pay like a fat dividend so i don't know that that that's like one of my like boomer holds but the the best investment i've made was putting putting like a thousand in each of the arc funds (laughs) And being down 30% on every single one of them. So, ARC Innovation ETF. Average cost, 152 Current cost, 106 <laughs> Let's see. What's next? What's next? ARC, uh, ARC G. Average cost, 107 Current price, 7746 <laughs> ARC W. The next generation internet. Average cost one eighty four. Current cost one thirty three. <laughs> what is this bitch's name? Kathy. I hate her so much. Yo, She's- yo. The funniest part was I decided to shift my entire portfolio at the end of February. Yeah, dude. What? What? The it- beginning of February? Like my entire portfolio, like not long ago, was just red thirty percent. Like. Yeah, dude, it's and oh my god, the options I had from I bought in like January, literally I was down like I'm down like ninety five percent on some of my calls. Are you still holding the Disney one? No, I mean I sold that, but I I was I sold it for a loss. Like I do the yo, you were up so much though. I know. <clears throat> I was. I I told you to roll some out. Yeah, I, I honestly like I did not see. Maybe it's like a bit naive of me, but dude, the market has been like absolute shit this entire year. It's actually crazy. It started off really hot, burnt out. I mean, I've I've found a way to, I pivoted my entire portfolio again, like sold out a lot of my positions, opened up new ones. Mm -hmm. And I've actually gotten past, like I'm higher now than where I originally was before the dip. That's good. Yeah. I mean... I put like I put some money in Doge at an average cost of eight cents, and that's doing really well. But like I know that that's that that's like a stupid investment. It's a quick buck. It's a lick. Yeah, I mean it. It made it's making me some money. I'm still holding 
most likely I'll lose like all of it just be like given my track record, which is why we don't give financial advice. But uh, I don't know. I, I want a tendency I, for buying the fucking absolute top. No, dude, I, I, have a ten- <laughs> I have a tendency of buying, buying like great stocks, right? Like yeah, the best, just, yeah. the best example is plug power. Plug Power was my free stock when I opened up my Robinhood account last January of 2020, right? I got it for like $3. And then I bought a bunch at $3, sold it for like $6. And then a few months ago, it was at $70. So like I I doubled my investment, which is great. Like that's, that's like any investor's wet dream. But then it went up to like, over like 20x my initial investment hey like i just see that and i'm like i am i just i'm so bad with timing like yeah of course nobody can time the market but i want to okay i I got i got one to share that's like similar to yours except this one makes you really want to just throw your head right through a wall i had an option for gamestop and this was like you know when it went from it was like sixteen trading at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and yeah. it went up to like forty-five or forty-two. I think at the, the point I got in, it was like sixty, mid sixties. Okay, and I had like honestly, it might have been like I don't know. It was like maybe a one fifteen strike. I think it was a one fifteen strike, and it was at like mid sixties. I was like really out of the money. I was like, mm-hmm. this is a fucking YOLO. It was like a grand at the time because volatility was through the roof. I, I don't know. I it went against all instincts and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to send this on a quick like day trade. Like I was just trying to get some money quick. Mm-hmm. And I like double my money, whatever. I got out. I, I was like, yo, I just hit a lick. I was like, I'm chilling. Mm-hmm. I, this is about a dip, whatever, whatever. That option the next day at open was like 28 grand. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My dude, when I I bought Doge last year, right? Less I had than- Doge. I had Doge this winter, like during the holidays, at a fourth of a cent. Yeah, dude. I had an average cost of uh two tenths of a cent. Right. I had over a hundred thousand Doge coin. No and fucking way. Now it would have been worth like eighty k. Wait, no, it would have definitely been worth more. Dude, Ed had. Ed, who's like n- like not even like old enough to invest, had three hundred thousand Dogecoin, made ten thousand dollars and sold. It would be worth like three hundred thousand dollars now, or maybe not three hundred, but it would be worth in the hundreds of thousands. You're bugging. Yo, Vinoth had like six hundred thousand Dogecoin, and I'm pretty sure he made like a few bucks off of it, and that was it. Like, it would have been more than half a million by now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Ray, too. Yep. Yo, you know, Doge, like, if you bought $1 of Doge, or maybe it was $100 of Doge a year ago, it would be worth 20000 now. So, $100 to 20000 in one year in, like, a crypto that doesn't even, like, make any sense. Like, there's... There's an un 
seemingly like unlimited supply. It is, and there is infinite because it generates more. Yeah, no, yeah. There's no application. It's literally just hype. But no one, I don't think a lot of people really understand what crypto is. So they don't really even know what's going on. They're just buying it because people are like, pump it, pump it. Yeah. Like, are some people doing that? Like, <laughs> I need to research where my money's going first. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, you have, like, if somebody like Elon, like, even posts, like, like a shit meme about Doge, then you have, like, a bunch of people buying and buying and buying. And it just, like, goes, it's insane. Like, I remember the reason that I sold my Doge, like, my 100,000 Doge, is because it went up 100% in one day. And I was like, oh, I got to sell before this dips. I sold it. I was made I went from 250 to like $500 and that 250 like last year now would have been worth like I could have bought a house like I literally could have had a down payment for a fucking house copped another M3 <laughs> maybe go to an I'm M5 not. go to an M5 instead I think I think like my philosophy with investing is once money goes into like an investment account it's no longer spending money. Oh, yeah, like, no, no. Like, if I was to pull money out of the stock market, I would put it into another investment. Um, like a house? Yeah. Like like an investment property, not like a house you live in. Yeah, maybe maybe a duplex, but I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm considering, like, looking at jobs for, like, next year. And uh, I don't know. Like, I, I love my company. I love everything about it. It's just... I don't think the industry is like quick enough for you. Like, you want to be in something more fast paced. Yeah. I'm, I honestly, I get bored sometimes. Like I, there are times where I don't have enough work to do and I need, I need to be like hella busy to be like, to be at my best. But, uh, yeah. So like if I do end up living in this city, like I, I don't want to pay rent like in especially in the city like i don't want to pay like thousands of dollars a month towards no ownership so like rather than buying an investment if that if i were to move to the city i would probably try to buy like an apartment because they have i don't know what exactly what it's called but the state of or the city of new york has properties that they sell for like below market value and the maintenance fees are pretty low. Like every, it's all like pretty affordable, and they sell it specifically to low income individuals. Like you have to make less than X amount of dollars to be able, to be eligible to buy it. So okay. I might try to sneak in, like, like my dream job, my dream, like my two year goal is to get to land a job at Google. But like, if I if I start working at Google, like I'm I. I'm almost positive, or at least I hope I wouldn't be low income anymore. So I would try to just like barely sneak in, buy it like while I still have my current income and then hopefully be able to pay it pretty comfortably. What do you want to do at Google? Product um, management or program management? Yeah, like either of those fields, like honestly, they seem like really interesting to me and I feel like I would enjoy it. I'm tr I want to try and figure out what like my current experience as a process engineer could like like how that could bring value to a team or a department within Google. 
I don't know. I think maybe just like <clears throat> the soft skills that I've maybe further developed since I started working, maybe those could help. Like, uh, like when I'm like redoing my resume, I'm going to make sure to talk about like goals, how I like led initiatives, like, and stuff like that. Just because even though I'm like entry level at SA, I feel like I've so far, at least like it's been, it hasn't been a year yet, but I think I've had like a significant impact. Like, uh, I started an initiative with lipsticks, which like sounds kind of stupid, but I mean, there, there was like a big disconnect between like our R and D like formulation and filling trials versus production. So I'm trying to create a way, like I, I made a prototype for a way that we could scale it up more like seamlessly. And I have an intern starting on Monday, actually, that's going to help me work with that, make some suggestions. And on like, I, I just found out who my intern's going to be. And uh, she's from Georgia Tech. So I'm sure she'll be like smarter than me. But I don't know. I feel like if we're able to pull it off, it would look really good on her. And hopefully it'll get her a job offer. And I don't know. It, it would be like a big accomplishment for me. Something that I could like not brag about, but something, that, something could, that doesn't make you just like a normal entry level candidate. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if I'm going to apply to Google, most likely, even though I have some experience, I'd be going for entry level. But if it doubles my salary, like you could call me a fucking janitor if you want. Like, yeah, literally call me anything. <laughs> Treat me like shit. <laughs> Double the pay. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I would enjoy city life, but uh, I definitely don't want to live in midtown or downtown manhattan i think i'm more of like an uptown kind of guy like i i I like appreciate like quietness having like that sense of like community or neighborhood like i don't really want to like walk out and have like three halal carts in front of my building yeah i mean like like of course that's like a preference like if like the best deal appears to be in like what like what kips bay or any neighborhood in midtown like i'll jump right onto that but i I guess you can't really be too picky no i mean yeah it's fine to have a preference i think you should try to look for that yeah i think you'll be able to get you can find whatever you want in each kind of neighborhood yeah like even even like with a google salary you'll be chilling like i know nat lives in harlem and she loves it so like it's it's fucking sick up there yeah, like it, it's far from some places, but but you also have like the one express, right? <clears throat> and that shit just goes straight down. Yeah, like I I don't know. I wouldn't want to live in like like all the way like insanely far north in Manhattan where the streets aren't even like numbered anymore. And maybe maybe like in the area that's like next to Central Park, like adjacent to it. Yeah, like obviously, like right next to Central Park is like. Where, like, billionaires live, but... Like, that area, though. Maybe I could, like, steal someone's... Like, live in someone's closet near there. You and Lily yeah, would get a place together? Is she trying to be up here in New York for, like, residency? Yeah, definitely. Um, There's, like, a really good... How many years does she have left? Three? So, she has three years in med school, and then uh, for dermatology, residency is four years. 
so there's a great um, uh, residency program in Jersey, like right across the hood, right yeah. across the Hudson Where? from uh, what school? Um, I don't think it's a school. I think it's a hospital, but I forgot the name of it. But they're they're like known for hiring mostly DOs, just because like every Is she like going some, for DO. Yeah, gotcha. Like different hospitals have like preferences. Like there are some hospitals where like, like let's say 80, 90% of their residents all have MDs and vice versa. So that school would be, I think it's in Hoboken. Like that's like a train ride away from Manhattan and like hopefully we'll be living together by then. So it could work out. I know Luna doesn't even like the city, but if she's going to school there, I don't think she has a choice. We yeah. went. I feel like we went insanely off topic, but I don't know. I, I like I like talking about whatever we we intend to talk about, and just like going off about personal our personal lives too. So yeah, so we can tie it back into um, let's talk about investments, maybe other than stocks, because we talked about stocks a little. All right. So like the whole point of investments or um. Like putting putting your money in like a savings account, actually nah, screw like screw savings accounts. Like they're important, of course. To ha- it's important to have money in savings. But I personally only use a savings for an emergency fund. Yeah, but like the whole goal of investment is to eventually have some form of passive income, where like your money works for you rather than you working for your money. So, like, the wealthiest and the most comfortable people in the world, like, they always have multiple revenue streams, whether it's, like, a nine-to-five job, social media, sponsorships, real estate, investment accounts, like, whatever it is. Rich people have their money working for them when they're asleep, when they're, like, taking a dump, like, anything. So, like, we could talk about some of the ways that these people make money. Yeah, so, I mean, there's many different ways but i mean i'll just go over a few most commonly for most people that have passive income don't usually have this one on top of multiple others but real estate people almost always own multiple properties that they either rent or whatever they do and that generate generates passive income that they don't really have to do much for um in businesses by either having their own business or investing in other businesses or you know, hiring other people to run businesses. I mean, then you have like assets, you can invest in assets, stocks, crypto, all that, all that kind of stuff. Things that are like holds of value, gold. Yeah. I know, I know you've like mentioned the 80, 20 rule to me before you want to discuss that. Oh yeah. yeah the 80, 20 rule. So basically it should, the 80, 20 rule is, um, it's the idea that 80% of your net worth is only generating 20% of your passive income while the other 20% of your um, your investments assets uh, generate 80%. So that's basically you would use 20% of your investments to be, you know, in more risky situations and those would generate 80% of your profits, which you would then funnel back into the 80% of your portfolio or investments that's in more conservative positions um yeah so you have 20 percent of your stock portfolio in a cash position 
and then you would only use it in high risk options trading or you know day trading things like that while 80 percent is in blue chip stocks index funds that's making consistent growth in the long term that you would have as a long hold once you make the money from options or day trading you would uh take the profits and then put them back into more stocks that would continue to grow at a slower rate over time but be much safer and you know more of a quote-unquote guaranteed gain yeah and then you could take another step back while also looking at this and we can associate the entire stock portfolio an entire stock portfolio which we were just implementing this 80 20 rule with as 20 percent of our entire investments as a whole like all of our assets which uh the other percent 80 percent being real estate rentals businesses etc uh so then once you have you know, a lump sum of profit made in stocks, you can trim some of that off and then, you know, put a down payment on a house or invest in a company or something along those lines. Yeah. So then you basically can take another step back and then funnel it back into an even safer investment, safer investment. So you'd use a 20% of your total investments as a stock portfolio and then trim the profits off of that to funnel it back into real estate, which is almost guaranteed to make money because you're just having someone rent or something like that. And then also it appreciates over time in the long term. Yeah, know? I'm I'm yeah. a I'm a big fan of real estate for sure. I'm that's that's the goal, baby. Yeah, it just like I feel like lately, like on TikTok, like every everyone that's like our age or maybe even a little older thinks that they're like some kind of guru with with uh Stock. real estate and they're just like oh you could buy a house with somebody else's money and then make money oh, yeah. with it and then keep buying houses and like i don't know i just feel like uh like it's definitely not that easy to make a shit ton of money in real estate or else everyone would have done it but may- maybe that's just like me being naive or something i mean if you put the work in there, there are ways to do it that's for yeah. sure but I mean, it's not as easy as they make it. They make it seem like it's fucking free cash. Yeah. Like I, what I've heard is that you can, there's a specific type of mortgage that you can get where you only put like 5% down. Three and a half percent. Three and a half percent. No, that's that's real. Yeah. That's a real thing. But you're going to have to pay insurance on the loan and like all this. There's, there's extra. So it's going to be more expensive per month and at a higher rate, most likely. Yeah, that's like the monthly I mean, I rate would be crazy. It all depends. Yeah. So like basically if you can't go under 20, you might as well go as low as you can because you're going to have to pay extra or some yeah. shit like that. Um, yeah. Like my goal if like when I'm purchasing my first like either personal property or investment or anything like that, like I'm I would like to save at least 20% of the whatever the mortgage I'm going to be taking is. Just because uh, I don't know, I feel like paying paying maybe more upfront. Yeah, it's like not everyone can do it, but if if you have the means of saving up for it, I think it's it's probably better for you in the long term. Like even though like some strictly finance people may tell you that giving up a hundred thousand dollars in the present day. Like the future value of that money would be greater if you invested it and then paid your larger monthly uh, payments. I don't know. I just, it's like a, it's just paying less interest, like to the bank that or whatever organization is giving you that mortgage. But I don't know. 
I also I saw something about fifteen year versus thirty year mortgage, and for fifteen years you pay less, like you get a lower interest rate, um, like your monthly payment is higher, but overall the total amount you pay is lower. But apparently, if you do a thirty year mortgage, the growth of the money that you're not paying extra per month sums up to like much more than if you put what you would have spent like if you put the difference of what you would have spent between the mortgages of the 15 versus the 30 in an investment account for the 30 years you'd have more yeah that's what yeah exactly i don't know yeah i'm trying to figure out really what i want to do because in the next like year or so i'm gonna have to make a move on the first property yeah and i don't and know if i want to wait till i have 20 or maybe go earlier or yeah that's by the time i get to that point i'll have my like stock at or in my like other investments at a point where like maybe if I sat on them for another two or three years, it could be at like a number that's substantially bigger. And mm-hmm. then maybe I could buy a couple properties at once or like roll myself into a few properties if I just wait a few years, you know, and just try to like yeah. get a get cheap rent for a while. Or maybe I was thinking I cop the first crib, so then I get like a duplex mm-hmm. and then live in one unit, rent the other. So I'm paying almost no rent or maybe none depending on how I can, how the rent is looking. Yeah. And depending on the mortgage and all that stuff, but then maybe sit on, you know, try to get the investments up to a point where I could buy a few properties instead of just always rolling it into one property and the next and the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I like that. The The idea of a duplex our market, is- Yeah. Our market right now though is so fucking crazy. Like I don't want to miss out on, if I have a lump sum now, I can double, double that bag, then double it somewhere else. And then, then I have a lot of money when before I had a good amount of money. Yeah. The, the housing market, at least in long Island is, is like really hot right now though. So like there's low supply, high demand just because everyone's trying to take advantage of low interest rates. So like houses last like less than two weeks on the market sometimes, which means that they're going for over asking price or at asking price. Most of the time better to wait a little while. Yeah, like last year, like before before the demand got so high, like that was probably like the best the best time in like recent years to cop a house. Cause then you get the low interest rate. Like when everyone thought that Corona was like gonna end humanity, like which it's a debatable debatable if it's like act if it's gonna I, I definitely think there are gonna be permanent effects from it, but um like we're still as like a whole in the world, we're doing okay-ish. Like, well, like at least people are still alive. But um, yeah, like if if you have, like when everyone was like, when the people that were currently selling their houses, uh, they ne- maybe they needed some money because of like a job loss or some kind of complication with COVID. Like that I feel like that was the probably the best time to buy in, but now, now I feel like it's much more difficult. Did your dad get any places? Um, he, like, so we uh, we're in the process of trying to get an apartment in Manhattan for my brother, just because he's start he's gonna start going yeah, into class next semester. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was an apartment in Kipps Bay that was like maybe half of what it was um, 
like like we're in the contract phase for like half of what it was maybe a few years ago, maybe even last year, or I'm sorry, two years ago. And ever since then, like once we got the price finalized, like New York is like reopening and everyone's trying to buy like all properties. You and could flip it so quickly if you wanted. Yeah, but... I, like, know, I know you have a purpose to buy it, but I'm saying like in a, a few, or whenever you... Like you, you probably will use it for years to come. But even if you wanted to, you could flip it in a few years for like double. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't know if that's the path that we're gonna go on. But what I do know is that maintenance in in like a New York City apartment is insane. So maintenance on top of mortgage payments, just because my dad does, my dad prefers fifteen years, just because. Um, like he's in his fifties, like he doesn't want to like have a mortgage going until he's like eighty years old. So um, he does fifteen years. He has the maintenance in any Manhattan apartment, like any modest apartment, is usually between like five hundred and fifteen hundred, which is a, pr- a pretty big range. But that plus mortgage, like it's it's expensive per month. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, like your your maintenance in a New York city apartment includes like your real estate tax, some kind of insurance. Um, and then just whatever maintenance they do to the building like that, that comes out of your pocket every single month. So that on top of mortgage, you know, they're really taking all our money. Yeah. It's fucking expensive. Why we have none. I guess, I guess we should talk a little bit about the, all right. So I'll pretty briefly talk about how, cryptocurrencies and specifically Bitcoin work uh, just because I'm sure you've heard of the term decentralized and all of that. So let's just try, I'll try to explain that a little. So the way, like when a a transaction is entered with Bitcoin, it's transmitted to a network of peer-to-peer computers all over the world. So it could be like supercomputers, it could be like like a guy with like a pretty powerful computer in his house that is also part of this network of peer-to-peer computers. And the network of computers solve equations to confirm the validity of the transaction. Once it's confirmed uh, to be like a legitimate transaction, then um, they're clustered together into blocks. So these like individual transactions these blocks are then chained together and a long history of transactions becomes permanent and the transaction is complete. And these like these blocks in chains or blockchains are all kept in what's called a ledger. So the blockchain collects information together in groups known as blocks, like, like I uh, just mentioned, and it holds sets of information. The blocks have like certain storage capacities and once they're filled or and uh, they're once each block is filled, it's chained onto a previously filled block. And that's how we get what we know as the blockchain. So Bitcoin consists of thousands of computers, but each computer or group of computers that hold its blockchain is in like a different geographical location. and operated by individuals, groups from all over the world. And the computers that make Bitcoin's 
network are called nodes. And like the fact that these nodes could be anywhere, like controlled by any person, um, that's what makes it decentralized. Like it's not run by any nation's government or anything like that. Yeah. So good job in explaining how the blockchain works and the functionality of Bitcoin and crypto. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go into some of the advantages of crypto that are like, you know, applicable and uh, that we're currently like implementing now. And I feel like in the future there will be, I don't know, you probably agree with this for crypto. There will be many more use cases that will pop up in like recent history. Yeah, for sure. Like even like in now, the recent future, I mean, you could buy a Tesla with Bitcoin now, which I think is yeah, pretty but cool. Other than just like the basic buying transactions, I feel like there will be so many more reasons to use. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, let me, yeah, let me go into some of the advantages. So first one, easy transactions. Um, when you're doing business or, you know, making a transaction, dealing with brokers or anything like that, there's a lot of transaction fees that you must pay for every transaction. On top of it, there's a lot of paperwork, brokerage fees, commission, other things, you know. And uh, when you use cryptocurrency, it removes the need for the middleman and all this kind of stuff. So second is asset transfer. You know, cryptocurrencies can be used to transfer uh, the ownership of assets to one of one name to another, you know, by paying them through Bitcoin or something like that. Uh, it all happens in the blockchain ecosystem that Ahmed just explained. And it uh, facilitates you to carry out transactions that are safe and uh, secure due to decentralization, like he also mentioned. Third one, confidential transactions. The best part of using cryptocurrency is that every transaction you carry out with the recipient would be unique. You can share the information, like only the information that you want to disclose to the recipient. Your financial history has privacy, you know, all that stuff. You only have to give up what you want. Next one would be strong security. When you perform a transaction in cryptocurrency, you can't reverse it. There's a reliable encryption technique used during like throughout the transaction process. And that also prevents tampering, you know, with the information and prevents it from being hacked. Um, Decentralization, like he said, um, the blockchain technology manages the database that has, you know, Bitcoin transaction records or other crypto transaction records. Um, The decentralization uh, would only involve two parties, the sender and the receiver. There's no other governing body that you have to deal with with these transactions. No one to monitor, like actually monitor what you're doing. Um, Yeah, and I just wanted to give credit that this bunch of the information from this was taken from European Business Review. Just an article I found. Um, Yeah, but there are thousands of different coins and cryptocurrencies. If you look at all the altcoins and stuff like that, small, like the really small coins and shit. Um, But I'm going to focus on a few of the, you know, bigger stable coins and maybe a couple altcoins as I uh, try to explain the potential of them in the future. Um, But basically, I'm going to be doing this by looking at the growth of the, what it's at now compared to what the coin was at when it originally opened to market and what price predictions are at. So I'll do Bitcoin. The origin was 2009. Its price was eight one hundredths of a dollar. So 0.0008. Eight one hundredths of a cent actually. Oh, eight, oh, eight one hundredths of a cent. You're right. Yeah, it was. Eight one million, eight ten thousands. No. Yes, yeah, it was almost worth nothing. Yeah, almost worth nothing. Pretty much nothing. Significantly less than a cent. But now the price is $51,589. And that was 
Oh, well, this is going to be interesting because I took these notes probably a week ago, just got held up with the recording and I didn't update them. So now we're going to look at the difference in just the time, which was like a week ago. So, uh, I mean, can you pull up the prices and then you just respond? Yeah, I got So you. right now the price for Bitcoin is what one week ago when I did this, it was $51,589 per coin. Yeah, and now it's sitting around $57,000. So, yeah, and within a week it fluctuated about 6000 or, yeah, it's like up, it's down almost 5% on the month, up 5% on the week, but I don't know. Like, crypto is not like the most stable thing, at least right now, but it's de- like there's a clear, in, like insane exponential growth that we've seen in the, within the past year with all, like basically all the cryptos that we're going to talk about. Yeah, we're not even close. This is just the beginning. Um, so the future price for Bitcoin by 2025, which was, I looked up a few sources for this. And this was basically what I was getting. 400,000 per coin. Jeez. So it's still got a long way to go. And that's only in the next few years. What about 2040? This is something that's going to keep going up. This is going to be like the future of transactions. You don't need a card anymore. You can just walk up with your fucking crypto wallet, plug it in, transaction, bada bing. So then let's move on to Ethereum. Sorry, I'm fucking rambling. Uh, The origin, 2015, the price opened up at 43 cents. One week ago, it was 23.73. Ahmed, what are we looking at? Now, it's down today and it's still around $4,300. So, not quite double, but this huge growth within like one week. And it's looking like by 2025, it could reach... 50,000 per coin. I am already seeing projections for 10,000 by the end of this year for the coin. So, and wow, Litecoin origin was 2011 and it opened up at 30 cents. Now it's at, or a week ago, I keep fucking doing that. <laughs> a week ago, it was $248 per coin. What is it at now? 380. And the future price is projected to go to 1200 by 2025. I've now seen that get bumped up to like 5000 So, I know that one's definitely changed. Wow. Um, I just want to note that these are all project- predictions that I found online and are really only educated guesses and no one actually knows for sure where these will go. Um, I just wanted to bring it up because I think it's interesting to show that we're still at the very beginning. Like if something can four or five X now until a few years from now, like it's still very early in the adoption phase. Like just cause you didn't get on before, like doesn't mean you can't get on now. But then again, I like can't tell you to do that. You yeah. Know? I'm not a financial advisor. Yeah. Nothing's just guaranteed. Yeah. I don't even know if like, I'm assuming a financial advisor can advise you, but I don't think they can <sighs> I don't know if they can directly tell you that yeah, you should or should not buy anything. Just because, like, if like if you get like mass like a massive loss, then it could be like a liability on that advisor for like I don't know whatever cause that comes up. But uh, yeah, I guess it's we'll wrap it up here. We'll go into the outro.
and then we'll see you there. All right, guys. So this wraps up our fifth episode. Sorry it took us a while to get this one out. We got caught up with, you know, finals and work got really busy. So uh, now that it's summer, you know, we don't have classes going on. We're definitely trying to pump out more consistent content. But uh, once again, thank you for tuning into Black Box. Uh, Hopefully you picked up some new information in this podcast. We appreciate all our listeners very much. And thank you to everyone who's been, you know, giving us episode ideas or leaving any type of feedback. We always appreciate that. Helps us feel like we have a little connection with you guys. Yeah, of course. And as always, uh, please reach out to us via our email, blackboxsubmission at gmail.com for any ideas or anything that you'd like to bring to our attention. We also have our social media up on Twitter and Instagram at blackboxpodcast, where the black does not have an A, so B-L-C-K, box podcast. We're going to try to start populating it now that we'll have a little more free time, but We'll link our accounts in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Peace.